Hello, everybody. This is Marlon uh, doing another little blurb for MS Politics. Today, I was going to talk about guns. Um, I said before, I don't don't do suggestions. This isn't a gun channel or anything of that nature. It's very true. This isn't really so much about guns in the sense of buying them or owning them uh, directly. What should you buy? That sort of thing. Product. More a question of. Uh, Culture, uh, American gun culture. Where is it? Where is it going? Um, and it's basing this uh, partly upon uh, more or less recent. Um, basing this more or less upon recent um, stuff that is. It's been occurring over the past few years, as well as the most recent events related to. Uh, the coronavirus, the Wu flu, um, combined with now uh, widespread civil disorder in the United States. Okay, uh, a lot of people have been going to buy guns lately, um, and they've been finding there aren't a lot of guns to buy. Um, they've been flying off shelves. They've been landing into the hands of people who never owned a gun before. They owned one gun, and now they've decided they want to upgrade. Right. In fact, I would say a significant fraction of Americans right now that might have owned literally a pistol or two pistols or a rifle or a shotgun or something of that nature now have decided that they want to have um, two or three guns, maybe four. And that what they want one of them to be an AR-15. Maybe they had dad's old revolver and now they want a 9mm pistol, um, that sort of thing. Okay. And when you uh, look at the state of play, um, the interesting thing that is going on right now is that they can't get them, um, at least not easily. And I'm going to counterpoint this. I'm going to do the counterpoint on this of... Looking at the uh, the news that we we've seen over the past few years of uh, first of all the first one I saw was Colt. This is I'm just based on what I saw first, not who made the decision first. Uh, Colt to say that they weren't going to provide AR-15s uh, to civilians, and then after that uh, Remington, who owns Bushmaster uh, and DPMS, um, who were were other manufacturers of, of these guns, um, they bought them out. Now they're saying, yeah, well, we're shutting those guys down, those brands down with the guns. So they're not really offering ARs to the civilian market. And what's interesting to me has been the, the comments from folks regarding why. So you have conspiratorial folks who are like, yeah, well, BlackRock um, owns significant uh, amounts of... Um, of those companies, and uh, them uh, and Kerberos management, you know, have decided that they don't want people to have guns, especially or especially not those sorts of guns, and so they're that's why they they're cutting them down. And perhaps that was always the plan: uh, buy out firearms manufacturers and then shut them down. Um, The issue with that, of course, is if that was the goal, it hasn't worked. 
it's a lot of different gun manufacturers. It's not incredibly difficult to set up a firearms manufacturing facility in the United States. Um, the answer that Colt and Remington have given is that they can make a lot more money in a more stable fashion by providing firearms to both police domestically and uh, police and, and military internationally. They can do a better job with their production capacity selling those weapons overseas and you know, potentially for police departments than they can uh, selling to a <clears throat> U.S. firearms market that's like, woo, that goes up and down and up and down and up and down. Here's the thing about that. Um, who is correct? Is it a is a conspiracy? You know, at the same time, if you were to read New York Times or other, I guess you could say, voices of that nature, they would say, "Oh yeah, well, you have basically a bunch of octogenarian uh, white guys who are evil, you know, Christian conservative straight men, uh, pill penis people stuff." And they're, they're who owns, so you can basically imagine an 80-year-old guy who's like half deaf who owns like 25 AR-15s, and that's who's buying all of them. Uh, not true. <laughs> Absolutely not true. And I don't know whether that's a lie on their part or whether it's just them being um, dishonest uh, because they're lazy. But I'd say the average AR-15 owner is probably between 30 and 40, and, and one in eight of them probably was in the in the service in some branch of the U.S. military. That's that's the average AR-15 owner. Um, although that's kind of changing, I believe, with uh, with the latest things that are occurring in the country. Um, the critical, critical element to uh, keep in mind is that it's not entirely incorrect, this idea, okay? Um, that there is an issue, if you will, with sales um, uh, in the civilian marketplace. Um, but here's what it is. There are basically three levels in the AR-15 game. Okay, You have the entry level. These are people who will build them themselves using a serialized part. Right? Like one part of the gun is considered the gun, so then they take the accessories and they put them on. Then you have people who build the very, very, you know, within that generally as well are like bare bones entry level rifles that up until recently they cost about 500 bucks. That was about the, the going rate. Okay. And so, you know, the, that entry level was covered by manufacturers like Anderson Arms, Delton, and uh, Palmetto State Armory. Um, these, th those were that. And the next level was the ready out the box rifles, uh, weapons like the Smith and Wesson M&P 15, uh, the Bushmaster uh, QRC, um, the uh, Ruger uh, AR556. Yeah, AR556, I believe, is what they call them. Um, you know, these guns, they costed a little bit more in the six, between six and seven hundred dollars, but you got a weapon that would immediately work right out of the box. Uh, sometimes there were sales on those guns, and you could get them for a little less. The critical element, though, is you didn't have to sight them in, you didn't have to get optics, any of that stuff. They came with iron sights right out the box, sighted in, the gun would work. Um, and then the, the, the final level you had is people like Sig Sauer, Rock River Arms, 
Um, LMT, I think, was one of them. They, basically, these were companies uh, which were manufacturing the high, Daniel Defense. They, they come to mind as well. Uh, they manufactured higher-end AR-15s that people were purchasing. Uh, for you had to have some money, and you had to really like AR-15s because the the entry level at that level was eight hundred dollars, and a lot of them were. A thousand, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars to buy, right? Here's the issue. Here's the issue with all of this stuff, though, that I'm that I'm talking about. All of these different firearms that were uh, that were out there. The issue with all of them, the issue with all the people that would that would own these guns, um, and the in these gun companies was that most of the people in the AR, you're talking about a greater societal level thing that's going on surrounding this, okay? In America, you are having, and there's no way to deny this, a, stult, uh, a stilted America, where you have, you know, a very wealthy 1%. You have a very wealthy 10% uh, at the upper echelons of our society, upper middle class and above. Okay, <clears throat> you have a dwindling middle class, and then you have an increasing working poor to just people who don't really work very much at all. Okay, but the middle class that's struggling very hard, that's probably paying the majority of the taxes because they can't find a loophole and they can't buy one like the wealthy, they have a whole lot of costs, so they can't really afford that high-end AR-15 that costs $1,500 unless they incredibly want it. They have to save up for it. So that market was very small. That's the small market at the very top. But there's a huge market in that lower end because the working poor and the middle class want them. You could ask, well, what about the super wealthy? Well, the super wealthy, it doesn't matter. They can live in gated communities. They can pay for the police to protect them. They can pay for private security to protect them. They'll be okay. Most of them don't like guns. That's another thing, too. They would say, oh, yeah, they're worried about crime. That's not why. They don't like the power that uh, guns would give to people in lower classes. Okay. They also don't like the social beliefs of people in lower classes. It's interesting. We went from a society where the upper class was largely Republican to being fairly mixed, to now they are largely on the left. A lot of it has to do with the colleges that they went to. But there we are, and that's a big part of explaining how this thing works. Okay, now, the other big factor is this. One thing that we've seen in American life of late, ever since Corona, is you would, if you were to look at the press releases of cult, they're like, well, we're mostly a military contractor and always have been. And as for Remington, they're like, well, our core business is, is sports shooting. Sport shooting's dead. It's dead. I'm not saying that nobody hunts anymore. Tons of people hunt. Okay. But it's largely a rural activity. Okay. And America's mostly an urban country. And yes, I understand tons of people live in the suburbs. That's correct. But if you work in the suburbs, or if you live in the suburbs, chances are you probably work in a city. You're living in the suburbs because of the schools, right? You're, you're living in the suburbs because you want to live in the suburbs to avoid the city. 
but when you take your 40 to 50 hour a week job plus the two hour commute, one to two hour commute that you're often taking to get to work every day, just one way, you probably can't exactly, um, you know, find a way to regularly hunt, okay? This is like where I live, yes, there are plenty of people that live outside of the city, have something of a rural life, and there's literally a shotgun next to their door, and it gets used, right? Um, there are plenty of people who still do live that life, but they're just not the majority. There's millions, but this country has 330 million people in it. And because there are this many people in it, and most of them live in urban areas, well, it changes the dynamics here considerably. So a lot of these ARs, pistols, etc., that are getting sold right now, and that have been getting sold, they are being sold to people who live in the burbs. That's probably most of the sales with a significant fraction going to people in the cities, and they don't want sporting guns. They want guns to defend themselves. I have, for instance, a friend who is a gunsmith. When corona started happening, right, this is before the social upheavals of the riots and demonstrations in places, right, he was doing corona special where he'd take some older bird hunting shotgun, and then he would modify it. By modify, he meant he would cut it to 18 and a half inches, the barrel to 18 and a half inches, which is a half inch over the legal limit, okay, the standard for that, and then he would, uh, then he would uh, put a new bead on the front so the gun would have some form of pointing or sighting you could do. His Corona Special, right? So people are literally take, and then sometimes he would take um, he would take uh, parts and try to tacticalize. I just made that up, but he tried to tacticalize a uh, shotgun. Why? Well, people in the city weren't wanting to get a, a bird hunting shotgun to go out and hunt pheasant. They were wanting something to defend themselves with. And that's where the American marketplace is headed. So when Remington says we're going to, to uh, we're going to uh, focus on our core business of sporting weapons. I'm like, well, you know, at the end of the day, that whole thing about super owners is BS. But even if that's, that thing about super owners is, no, the, the people who are dying off are The, uh, are the boomers. The boomers, uh, the greatest generation is largely in nursing homes right now. The boomers who are still out there, what they are, they largely haven't bought AR-15s. Yes, there's some who have, and there's some who you would think would have ARs that they haven't. They could buy them, <clears throat> provided there's any on the shelves, they could buy them. They could buy those weapons, and they're not doing it. Some of them, some of them are, but to a large degree, they're not. As I said, the, the sweet spot on ARs is 30 to 40. That's who's buying them. And now increasingly a few people in their 20s. So one has to ask what's going on. And the answer is, look, there's two things that drive sales in AR-15s and semi-automatic handguns with, with higher capacity magazines. There's two things that drive that. One is fear based upon proposed legislation. Okay. 
Democrats normally sell more guns than get more guns sold than Republicans. That's just a fact. The reason why they do is because people want something that they've been told they can't have. Number two is societal instability. Right now, you look at the gun sales in this country and how they're just basically they're just off the chain. They're just absolutely insane, right? Where does that come from? Well, it comes from a very simple place. Right now, we have a Democratic Party with Joe Biden, who's talked about basically banning guns, banning the AR-15, effectively banning it, banning any sort of 9mm semi-automatic pistols. Okay. Banning them. And if not directly banning them, simply making a magazine over 10 rounds or 8 rounds or 7 rounds totally illegal. So, obviously people want that. Obviously people want the ARs right now because of that, because of a worry, what if he wins in November, which there's a good chance he will. Um, on the other side, we do have riots. And let's be honest, okay, the media literally would be like, this is a peaceful protest. There's literally footage of people at CNN saying something's a peaceful protest as like a bomb made out of a whole bunch of uh, uh, powder from fire from fireworks goes off in the background and like blows a hole into the side of a police station. Okay, <laughs> the, the media is literally lying in front of people's face. We're not expecting them to buy the story. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think people are. I think the gun cells are partly evidence of that. So. We have social instability and a threat of gun control at the same time. And what is interesting is that you don't have Remington, regardless of what they brand them, you don't have Remington expanding production to sell a whole bunch of, of weapons overnight. Um, Smith & Wesson and Ruger, they are. They're still manufacturing their guns, and they're getting them out there and having them snapped up as fast as possible. Colt has not changed its mind, but its productive capacity is entirely being swallowed up in manufacturing for military concerns right now. They're not wanting to change that up. But all these other companies, those folks I said that are at the bottom, right? Your Delta and your Palmetto. Uh, your Anderson. All of them are making guns as fast as they possibly can. They don't have debts. They don't have a big investor over their shoulder making demands of them. All they have is simply the ability to make these firearms and sell them, and they can make a lot of money very, very, very fast. And they're doing it. They're trying to expand production as fast and as far as they can. And it's, it's not going to change. And the, the you know, <laughs> arming people are arming them. So here's the thing. Here's here is what here's what the media doesn't want to say. Here's what the politicians don't want to say. Here's what a lot of people don't want to say. But it's true. Americans are arming up for a war right now. That's what they're doing. They don't want one. They would prefer that not happen. They would love a political solution. They would love some sort of um, some sort of accommodation that can, you know, fit various people's um, desires. And there are a variety of ways to pull that off politically, but I don't see it easily happening. 
because most of the politicians are bubbled. They literally live in bubbles that are created very, very much by their donors. So we're not likely to get a solution that would actually work because of the delusions of our elected leaders. But that being said, that is the uh, that is the state of play. Those are the facts on the ground. People want to defend themselves. They want weapons to defend themselves. They want the ability to defend themselves. And that's not going away anytime soon. Even if a ban goes through, people are still going to be looking to defend themselves of anything more than ever. You see, on the other side of a Black Lives Matter demand that we get rid of the police are going to be people who are like, well, yeah, but what happens when I get robbed and the police are not there and the local authorities, um, you know, say I have white privilege or something and therefore you can beat the crap out of me. And there are people who are making that decision. They're largely not saying anything because people get in trouble for it if they say these things out loud, but that's happening. And you're also seeing states begin to get into little fights on this. You saw it in Missouri, the McCloskeys, in St. Louis. Okay, the local prosecutor wants to turn them into felons for defending themselves. The state attorney general is saying, yeah, we're not going to let that happen. There's going to be a conflict there. You're seeing a federal conflict with some people lining up on the side of the Democrats. And we're supposed to be nonpartisan positions, but they're lining up on the side of the Democrats and lining up on the side of Black Lives Matter. You have other people who are not. So, yeah, you want to understand what's going on right now with these companies, with the gun sales, uh, with the country, etc. You just simply have to put these things together. And putting these things together, this is what you come up with. Uh, what you come up with, what you learn, is that <coughs> things are popping off, uh, or at least there's a threat, probably more accurate, to say that there is a threat of things popping off. People becoming more entrenched and people wanting to defend themselves uh, in a country where that's going on. Well, these are my thoughts. That is background, baby. I have to get to her. So talk to you guys later. MS Politics. Bye.